we're going to start a new series, um, which is really based on these passages here. So we'll sit in them for a little bit, just kind of going piece by piece, which I think is important. Um, so we will be sitting in Luke 10, and I'll pull things from different places. But as per usual, I have a question for you um, that I want you to consider. So if you could ask Jesus one question, what would it be? Is because this question that I'm asking is a heart question. It's a question, like I said, and I, I was honest, maybe at the beginning you might have something in your head, but then there's that deeper question that you really want to ask him. In some ways that maybe you're almost afraid to ask him. Like, am I allowed to even ask that? This question that the lawyer is asking, I think, is a really important one. And I'll explain why in a minute. But before we talk about this, or I talk and you listen, and then we kind of play back and forth, um, I have another question. What does it mean to truly live? Like, How would you define truly living? Because that's the topic that the lawyer is posing. So think about that for a second. Talk about it. What does it mean to truly live? I'm gonna, I, as I always try to do, try to provoke thought. Because that's these thoughts that we have, these questions that I'm asking, the answers that we respond with, that's kind of, in some ways, how we approach the text. Um, how we read, that's the lens and the filter that we read things through. So I'm going to read this passage again, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about it. Um, so Jesus is actually, um, prior to this moment, he's rejoicing uh, in verses 21 through 23. And he's talking about just the, the, the spectacle, the joy of the 70 that he sent out, and then reporting back. And he's rejoicing. Um, thanking God for all these things that he's doing, all these hidden things that are coming to life. Then, right in that moment of rejoicing, after he turns to the disciples, a lawyer pops up, and it says, Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. Um, there's, throughout the Gospels, there's variations of this particular passage. In some variations, is Jesus actually answering? And then as we read here, it's actually the lawyer responding back. So I like this one because, um, not that I favor one over the other, I just appreciated that it was the lawyer who's asking the question. And then Jesus, in the way that Jesus does, he answers a question with a question which is always my favorite, right? Like, I asked you a question for an answer, and you gave me a question, right? Um, but the lawyer is really somebody that understands the law better than most. He's, he's one who studies the law. He, he studies the word of God um, more than just the typical Jew. So he's very familiar with God's word. And so uh, who better to test Jesus than somebody that knows the law? So he tests him, and, it's a, and I appreciate that he does it with respect. He's saying, Rabbi, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Um, when we think of inherit, we think of inheriting things, right? Like somebody passes away and then I get it. And that's not the, the sense here. It's literally, what does it mean for me to come into eternal life? And the way that uh, the Jews would have understood eternal life is eternal life is the unending direction in the reign of God. So when we think of eternal life, what do we think of? Heaven. That's immediately where our, our mind goes. But for a Jew, it was this unending life in the reign of God. So everything that their life was oriented in was in his kingdom and his reign. And so he's saying, what does it mean for me to fully grasp hold of living into the unending reign of God in my life? And, you know, he's posing a question because he thinks he's going to trip up Jesus. And Jesus is like, well, let me ask you a question. What is written in the law? What do you read there? So the lawyer responds with uh, something called the, the Shema, right? It's Deuteronomy. If you wanted to write it down um, so that way you would have it, it's Deuteronomy. It comes from Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. And it's combined with uh, Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 21, and Numbers 15, 37 through 41. I'll read them again. It's Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Then Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 21. And Numbers 15, 37 through 41. So what uh, a devout Jew would do is he would say the Shema every day. And that would be how he oriented his life. And it was part of this law living. So literally, they would be saying, hear, O Israel, listen. And then they would start reciting every single day. And, and God would teach them. Yahweh said, these are the things that you're supposed to teach your children. And so that's, there's this formation that's taking place. And so where does he immediately go? Something that he's very familiar with. That at the end of the day, if we're to encompass all of what we believe, all of what's important, all of what life looks like, this is what it looks like. So today I'm going to focus on you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. So I have another question. What is love to you? Because that's, that's the first. You shall love. What is love to you? Is love um, sacrifice? Is love a feeling? Is love laughter? Is love sorrow? Take a minute. Discuss what is, what is love to you? What are, what are some answers that we've come up with? What is love to you? When I, um, when I need to do something that I don't want to do, <laughs> that, that I know is the right thing to do, my, what I say to myself every time is, it's not about me. Mm. It's not just me doing it. Okay. That's why you see lines of us. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes.
What is love? That's love. I like that. Hey, what else? Taking care of me. Taking care of Anything else? Love, 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 love. Kindness. Kindness. Okay. Caring. Can. Forgiving. What's that? Forgiving. Forgiving. Selflessness. Selflessness. Okay. Hard work. I'm going to maybe break down a little bit of what love looks like from a scriptural perspective. I mean, certainly if we were to embody what love is, God is love. So we can look to God to come to a clear understanding of what love looks like. Um, now, when in the context of this verse, when it says, you shall love the Lord your God, um, the understanding for love is that God loves us first, right? So you can't Earn your way into the kingdom. You can't, when he is asking this question of this unending duration of, into the reign of God, it's not something that we provoke first. And I think even, even in our conversations right here about love, there's a lot of doing, isn't there? Right? Like there's this selflessness or this activity or the, I've got to do this or I've got to do that or, you know, and if I don't, this is the opposite of it because. Um, somebody said kindness, but sometimes love doesn't always look very kind, right? Sometimes it's uh, the hard things, too. But those are still actions. And when we're trying to build love, too, it's like uh, immediate place we're going to go to is relationship. And what's the first thing? Dating. Oh, did I do this wrong or did I do this right? You know? And marriage is the same way. Did I do this wrong? Did I do this right? With kids, did I do this wrong? Did I do this right? With friends, did I do this wrong? Did I do this right? But with God, it's a whole other paradigm. He says simply, I love you. That's his starting place, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's why grace is so scandalous, is because he starts with, I love you. But in this context, and this is not, you know, I make a statement then, but, however, it's to say continued with that, when we receive love, that love challenges us to reciprocate in love. So uh, a Jewish understanding of this text is God's expectation, if I'm to fully receive his love, is to reciprocate in love. And sometimes we don't feel like that, right? Uh, I'd rather sleep in. We have all of our reasons for perhaps why we can't reciprocate. But I, wanted, I want us to get away from, uh, well, here we go. What is a way that you show your devotion to God and love to God? Worship. Worship. Okay. Spreading his word. Spreading his word. Uh, doing something, doing something. Oh, yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah. The, not being a jerk. Extending grace to somebody you really don't want to. Yeah, okay. And it's doing something. What if reciprocated love meant 
that my entire life, not just what I do, but who I am, is a reciprocated offering to God. So it's, it's the attitude and the action of saying, you love me. There's actually a text in, uh, in Song of Songs, which is not preached on on a Sunday morning usually, because it's pretty racy sexual stuff. <laughs> Let's just be honest. But in that text, it says, you are my beloved. And there's another part that says, my banner over you is love. Like there's, there's this attitude that God approaches us with is who you are is to be loved. And then my reciprocated response to that is I accept. Yes. And then that yes catapults me into the things that we, not being a jerk, right? Or any of the other things that life could look like. That's what springs me forward into the fullness of love. So when he says, you shall love, it's he loved me first, so I will give him my all. There's another variation of this where um, the lawyer says that this sort of love has more value and worth than any offering that could be offered, which for a, a, a lawyer, a person of the law, to say, that my love and devotion to God and my love of neighbor is more valuable than any sacrifice that I could offer. I mean, that's mind-boggling because they were still living in a sacrificial system. But he understood implicitly in his heart that love is me saying yes to God in every form and fashion possible. And not, not in a religious way, because that's immediately where we go to do things, read our Bible, worship, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying any of that is wrong. Those are absolutely ways that we show our devotion. But it starts with that reciprocated yes. Yes, I believe that I am your beloved. Yes, I trust that your banner over me is love. So then he moves on, as the Shema does. says, you shall love the Lord your God. So my next question, and I won't make you talk about this, uh, is God your God? That's, that's a really interesting. He, he uses two, I mean, this is the way God presents it, but he uses two different ways to refer to God. What does he say? The Lord, your God. What does lordship look like? I mean, when we think of Lord, what does that mean? Someone oversees, maybe a king. If you're watch Game of Thrones, you know, you immediately go to that kind of stuff, right? Like we have these pictures of what lordship looks like in our life. But at the end of the day, what does a lord look like? He not just oversees, he possesses it all. It's all his. Or, you know, could be hers too, in the sense of there were female lords in the medieval times as well. Um, but they possess it all. It says, is the Lord. So he already reigns over everything. Your God. The reason why I ask, is God your God, is because part of this tension that the Shema points out and part of this tension that Jesus is saying, yes, you've answered right, and this is what it looks like to live in unending reign, is a lot of times in our life, don't we actually have other gods? I won't make you confess. But we do. 
We have other things that take higher priority than our God. And that's not meant to shame or condemn. That's part of the reason why they recited this every day, because it re-centered them. It's very similar to how we perceive the sacraments. It reorients us into true living. So when they're dedicating their lives each morning and saying, you are my Lord and you are my God, it's saying, you know what? I got a really important report I've got to write by Monday. <laughs> or my kids, or this, or that, whatever our list is. Our number one, number two, number three, and somewhere in there is God. And he's saying, it's OK, I'm, I'm with you in that. But am I Lord over it all? And what does that mean to have God be Lord over it all? I think Nancy kind of mentioned it earlier. It's that one day at a time relinquishing control. That's what lordship looks like. I don't have control of this, so I give it to you. How many of you are good at that? Not this guy. Definitely not. But, but I think maybe the invitation of this is, is saying each day, you're my God. You're the Lord over this. Not my time frame, not my opinion, not their opinion, not their time frame. You. And then we have to live fully into that. It says, with all your heart. That's tricky, this thing of with all your heart. Because can you give your whole heart to God? I mean, do you feel like that? I'll speak for myself. I don't feel like that a lot of times. I'm like, mm. today is like a 65% day or an 11% day, right? So this is tricky because it can be, if we look at it from the wrong perspective, it can become a very religious thing. I have to give you my whole heart. And the way that I'm going to give you my whole heart is I'm going to do this, and 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 I'm going to do this. But then what happens when I can't do it anymore? Then I get into the cycle of I'm failing you, God. And then I start to begin to forget that reciprocated love first started with him loving me. So when we talk about with all your heart, maybe we should understand heart from a scriptural perspective. The heart is your interior. From a Jewish perspective, the heart isn't just this thing that beats in your chest. It is your interior, all that you are inside. Now, if we were to look at our body like a house, this is probably the best image that I've experienced in my life. And it's really, because it's the God's creation, it's not like the little shack in the corner. It's this beautiful thing that he's made. And there's multiple different rooms, right? And each, what do rooms have, at least in our homes? Doors, right? And just because we've said yes to God, like Pastor Joe said last week, right, that there is this pivotal moment in our life, even if you experienced infant baptism, but there's this pivotal moment in your life where you say yes to God. You say yes to this life. And he says, I give you my very spirit inside of you. Lordship. Does that mean that all the doors are open? 
that you've let him into those rooms? That shame or that guilt or that, that sin that you don't want anybody to know about? Or that thing that he keeps telling you stop doing, but you're like, oh, I'm going to keep doing it. Right? That's what this picture is of all your heart. It's your interior. It's saying, I'm willing to open up all the doors. And isn't that super scary? That's super scary. Because what if you hear something that you don't want to hear? Or he asks you to do something that you don't want to do? Then you have a choice to make, right? That's why this is so challenging, but that's why God says, Jesus specifically says to him, what? You have given the right answer. Now, I kind of feel like, you know, if you're Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, you know, they had the badges and stuff like that. Like for the lawyer, he's like, yeah, I got my badge, right? I did it. But, I mean, he gets something here. He gets something. Is that the way to live in this unending reign of God? Means, and it's kind of common sense, but it's so hard to do, is to relinquish complete control over, to open up all the doors. And that's, again, not easy. But I think that's part of the reason why I have this question up here. Is God your God? Because I think part of the reason, when I look at my life honestly, why my doors aren't open in my interior. It's because other things have taken priority over his lordship. I've wanted to say, this is what I want in this room, rather than what do you want this room to look like? How do you want this room to be filled with your presence? Rather than me saying, uh, it's cool if you stay over in the corner like that little lamp right there, that's good, right? Just a little bit of light is all I want, just enough, so I don't feel so guilty. Hopefully, I'm not hitting too many nerves this morning. Um, so what do, we, what do we do with this? Well, I'm going to continue to go next week. Um, it won't just be with all your heart. It will be with all your soul. And that already is tricky. And I'm like, why did I choose this series? Um, but I think that God gives us, just like the Shema, um, gives us an invitation every morning. God, what are, what are the things that take greater priority in my day than you? Just being honest about that. Because he already knows. But that, that activity of relating through confession, God, this is, honestly, this is where I'm at. And then, and then the brave act in that is to say, but I'm open-handed. Um, uh, just a, a small example, when we talk about Sabbath, this idea of Sabbath, something that I'm learning about Sabbath, uh, when you hear Sabbath, what do you think of? This will be my last point, and then you all can go back to sleep. Um, <laughs> when you hear Sabbath, what do you think of? Rest. Rest. Yes. But what does that look like to, in today's society? Non-existent, <laughs> Non-existent yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Doing nothing. What I've been learning is that uh, when Sabbath was created, there was a word that was always attached to it. Well, I'd say more often than not attached to it, which was remembrance. That is such a challenging thing. 
for me, a lot of times Sabbath has been, okay, because, you know, Sunday is my work day, right, as a pastor. So Friday, Friday night, like 5, 6 o'clock till Saturday, 5, 6 o'clock, Sabbath. And what does it look like? Vegging out in front of the TV, breaking up fights between a six-year-old and a two-year-old, <laughs> eating dinner, you know, like trying not to do work things. And inevitably, I'm on my phone looking through stuff, right? Oh, crap, I'm on my emails again. I got to stop, that kind of thing. But at no point, and this is a confession before you, at no point was it oriented around remembrance. And remembrance, why God instructed Israel in the Sabbath for remembrance was to say, part of what rest looks like is remembering who I am there and there and there and there. Because what impedes you from resting? Right? You're thinking your heart, and he says, this interior work. So if you lean into this act of remembrance, then suddenly you're less focused on all these things that don't provide you rest, and suddenly you're more focused on my character, my heart. And then you start saying, I don't have to be Lord over this situation because you're Lord over this situation because you were Lord over this situation here and here and here and here, and the list continues. So that's why when I say this invitation, it is, it's an activity of remembrance as much as it is a posture towards my day, to live it one day at a time. I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> I feel like I'm failing. But like your question, Christine, is there a test? Is there a quiz after this? No, there's not. Because God starts this with, I love you, not pass-fail, A minus, B plus, C, depending on where you grew up, F or E, that kind of thing. It's not, that's not the paradigm. So let me pray for us. Hopefully I've given you the right balance of challenge and invitation this morning. Uh, God, um, I think that we could walk away from this morning and we could say, man, these are all the ways that I am not a good Jesus follower, that I just am failing, that I am doing all the wrong things. But I think that's not even where you come from in your approach with this. What I see is a God that says, why are you looking at you when my invitation is to look to me? Why, um, why are you looking at the doors that are closed and the things that you're hiding from me? Because I already know that it's there. I already know that you're struggling with it or you're stressed about it or you're trying to control it or whatever it may be. And so, God, um, I'm, sh I'm sure that we've all recognized this morning, or I think that maybe we've all recognized places in our lives um, where we need you. And full stop, we need you, period. But specific areas in our lives where we can recognize that our interior is hurting and that we need your lordship. We need, we need you to be our God that you say that you are. And so show us what that looks like today. Show us what it means to remember on the Sabbath, to rest in you, but, but rest with a posture of remembrance, um, to look backwards and all the ways that you've been faithful. God, I pray that as we 
consider this, this question that the lawyer asks in the next coming weeks, um, that we would have a more profound understanding of your love for us and what reciprocated love looks like when we say yes to you every day. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.